and present to process means staying in your present moment experience. And so when I look at sort of a, a mindful performer, um, you know, it's not about a single event or a future outcome. It's about holding present moment experience in your most authentic self in flow by choice and navigating all of the ups and downs with grace and grit. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, Being ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously? And so, dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose, and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. And hey, I might even read your review on a future episode. Here's another five-star review from Jackson Myers. Fantastic. Patrick Cook's energy and genuine curiosity make the conversations with his guests interesting, informative, and fun. Can't wait to see who the next guest will be. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. Today's guest is Derek Covington. Derek is a trained mindful performance enhancement instructor and has created systems for elite performers and teams across the globe. His career spans nine Olympic Games as the director of Olympic performance for the Canadian Olympic Committee. As a former competitive national level athlete and coach, he learned firsthand about the importance of mindfulness in achieving success as being more than just a series of techniques, but a personal journey. He now works with individuals, groups, and teams to help them live and perform mindfully through his company, First Water Performance. Derek Covington, welcome to Being. How are you, kind sir? I am very well, Patrick. Great to be with you today, to, to connect with you. And I'm really jealous of you being down in Costa Rica. I wish I was, <laughs> I was there. And uh, part of me, would, I think all of us, there's a part of all of us that would like to be in Costa Rica with you. That's true. Yeah, it's a beautiful place for the connection to nature, primarily, like the weather is just, you know, and how much it affects your soul is 
remarkable. Part of the the gratitude I hold for this uh, medium, just this podcast, is I get to talk to and connect with such incredible individuals. And you know, just going through your bio and your history, you are no exception. And I'm really excited to just dive in with you and hear about your journey, hear about your work, hear about your passions. Um, one of the things that struck me in your bio is you are trained as a mindful performance enhancement instructor through the Center for Mindfulness at the University of California, San Diego, which I didn't even know was a thing. Like, I'm just astounded that that's a thing to begin with, but that even that they have a program. So I'd love to hear about what that was like and, and what your experience was at the Center for Mindfulness. Yeah, so... Um... Thanks, Patrick. That that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it, it, uh, when you look at when you look at looking in our in our journey going back in time in terms of uh, where we've been and and where we're going and sort of we have these sort of episodes in our life that are sort of major sort of ways that that sort of almost have a way to kind of transfer and, and transform our our journey. Mm-hmm. And I would say um, two years ago when I was down in San Diego at the UCSD. I was there for, for work because we were trying to incorporate mindfulness and performance mindfulness, performance-oriented mindfulness uh, into how we prepared our, our Olympic team. And mm. so uh, just take a quick step back. When you, when you go to the Olympics, it's, there's so many distractions and we could have all these elaborate external distraction management. So this was kind of a way to kind of do an internal distraction management program mm. in terms of how we prepared our Olympic team. And uh, when we look at... Uh, the program that's down at the UC San Diego at the Center of Mindfulness. It's headed up by the director, Pete Kirchmer, and he's uh, one of my dear friends and, and mentors. Um, and uh, he has done a, a job in terms of de- developing a program um, that is basically uh, based on the MBSR curriculum. Um, but instead of um, the focus or the intention around stress reductions around performance enhancement. And so mm. it's all of the same empirically uh, sound practices, um, and just applied in a different context to mm. performance moments when we, when we want to show up as our best selves, whatever those might be. Amazing. I love that. Maybe it'd be useful to sort of, um, you know, describe your journey on how you got to this place growing up in Montreal. Uh, I understand that you were an athlete yourself. Is that correct? I, I was. Yeah. And in, uh, as you know, uh, in 1976, the entire world came to Montreal for the mm. Olympic Games. And I was I was uh, seven years old and I went to the Olympic Stadium and I went and watched a track and field. And I was just electrified by the energy and what was going on. And and I knew even then as a seven year old that I knew I, ne- I wanted to be part of this Olympic movement. I had no idea back then exactly what that would what that would mean and what, what, what even, you know, how that would even transform itself. And so I, for me, I, 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 I got good at uh, track and field. I got good as a 110 meter hurdler as a 60 meter hurdler. And I, um, that was my journey. And I, my journey was, uh, was as a, as a competitive hurdler, I was, had a couple of national titles and, and I was getting ready for the uh, 92 Olympic games in Barcelona, Spain. And uh, I fully committed in that last year of preparation. I took time off, off my university. I moved down to Florida to train full time. I fully committed. I had a T-shirt that said, no pain, no gain, no Spain. And uh, <laughs> I found myself at the, at the Olympic trials, actually as a full circle, because it was, I found myself at the Olympic trials in Montreal on, on one of the very war, uh, training tracks that was used for the Olympic Games up at Claude Robillard Center. 
And I found myself in the final for the Olympic trials lined up next to the eventual Olympic gold medalist, Mark McCoy. Wow. And, uh, and the, and the, the race, uh, the gun went off and, uh, I had a good race until the very last hurdle. And I, I hit the last hurdle so hard and I hit it so hard that the, the hurdle kind of came down the back of my leg and it clipped off my, off my shoe. And I, and I stumbled across the finish line with one shoe. And so what was my moment of sort of glory in terms of the, the top of my Olympic sort of aspirations and dream ended up being a devastating, almost sort of, uh, like almost, almost humiliating because I then had to go walk back and pick up my shoe in front of this packed stands. And it was, uh, it was really a, a, a tough moment for me in my, in my athletic career. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you kind of like one of those moments, it's sort of you sort of you brush yourself off. And then I kind of went on to do other things. Um, I went and did a master's degree in a whole different field and I was working in that other field. But I, all along, I had this I still I was still had this this dream of, of getting at the Olympic Games. And it wasn't as an athlete. Um, I, I, sh I shifted gears, but I, 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 I then found myself at a crossroads and an opportunity came up with Athletics Canada, which is the Track and Field Association. And uh, I took a job there. Um, and then uh, a year and a half later, I found myself at my first Olympic Games in Sydney at, uh, in 2000. And so it was an interesting eight year journey from that moment in 92 on that track in Montreal to then showing up in, in Sydney uh, eight years later. Uh, and I had taken all kinds of twists and turns, but I, it was always kind of guiding me back to that moment. And, uh, mm. and then I've had a full career uh, now. I guess it's uh, up until last, the 2018 Games in Pyeongchang. It's nine Olympic Games um, in, in, in various roles wow. um, and, in performance, as a performance director. Yeah. Right. So, so in what capacity? Working specifically with the Canadian teams? Yeah, so I, I later in, later in my career, I was a director of Olympic performance for the Canadian Olympic team, and um, wow. basically, it, it's it's I work with all sports, summer and and winter, and 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 we would basically uh, the the Olympic Games are an environment where there are a lot of unique variables, um, mm. and so you can be an otherwise perfectly prepared athlete, but then show up at the Olympic Games, and then some aspect about the game's environment sort of it sort of might derail you um, mm. could be related to to uh, the 40 family members that show up for the very first time that have never shown up at one of your competitions ever before it could be the opening ceremonies it could be the, the politics it could be media it could be social media it could be uh, extra security it could be village life it could be the fact that there's a cafeteria open 24 7 it could be team dynamics um, mm. uh, and and just sort of and even the Olympic Games itself, it's 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 not like a, a professional sport where you've got the, you've always got another season. You know, it's like the, the Olympic Games only shows up every, every four years, and so mm. there's an added element of of um, importance that's that's sort of put on the on on the Olympic environment. And and so you know, for me, it was all about just sort of understanding what was unique about that games environment, so that we can make it a, as a as a kind of a competitive advantage as opposed to a competitive disadvantage, which it was. Canada had a reputation uh, early, early 2000, 2004, sort of underperforming at the Olympic Games. And so we turned mm. that around in terms of sort of uh, performing to our potential, essentially, and over in, in some cases overperforming. So it, it's it's um, it's it's a really interesting journey. And that's really kind of how I, how I made my way to the UC San Diego as it relates to 
sort of trying to understand about how um, we can sort of manage those internal um, expectations. When you when you arrive at the at the Olympics, it's um, it's you might you might have a certain idea of what what the environment's going to be like, but it's it's probably even if you've done all of the site visits ahead of time and all of the explaining and managing expectations, is that it, it's it usually is guaranteed to be completely different than what you really expect it to be. And so it's, mm. it's when you, from a mindfulness perspective, it's sort of arriving and then allowing what is. And, and because the moment that you're at the Olympic games, you're only there for a short period of time. It's a, it's a two week event. Sometimes you're sported only one day, for example. And so mm. if you're not allowing what is, and you're trying to fix it right there in the spot, um, then you're, you're not focused on the right things in that, in that moment. Mm. So, that's part of that's part of the journey that we've taken that I've taken in terms of the, what my experience at the Olympic and, and how I, I've kind of brought it to sort of a, from a mindfulness perspective. Perspective. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. And so that brought you to founding First Water Performance. Is that correct? This is your your company that that works with. Is it all athletes, or do you work with business people as well? I, I work um, with anybody that. Uh, sort of identifies as a performer. Um, so that could be in, in whatever their field of play. It could be a corporate athlete. It could be uh, an athlete. It could be a coach in the sports, or it could be anybody getting mm. up on stage. It could be first responders. It could be. Um, so uh, first water. Um, yeah, it, it's um, in terms of a, a transition from what I was doing at the Olympic level and now now working uh, in the area of performance mindfulness and, and applying all that. So, I mean, first of all, the name, the name is uh, first water. Uh, first water refers to an old way of, of measuring the quality of diamonds. And so water, a diamond was its water. And so the highest, the diamond that was a first water, if it was, had its highest clarity and brilliance. And, and, um, and so it just allowed for a rich kind of conversation or a rich, rich metaphor for, for uh, clarity. So inner clarity, mm. uh, focus, uh, concentration, uh, even clarity in, in, in relation to perspective on perspective on on our on how we're reacting or perspective on on uh, on some of the the, the the goals that we've set and non-attachment and then of course the strength of a diamond and the strength of water are incredibly strong but they're very they're very different in how they're strong you know and then mm. of course uh, water uh, be like water and how we're abiding to our environment um, and how we're sort of flowing through uh, through life. Um, so it, it just sort of, you know, allows me to kind of, uh, the first water was just sort of you know, kind of comes back to flow, strength and clarity for me mm. in terms of how I yeah. work with, with clients or with teams and things like that. Yeah. Beautiful. And those are sort of the core tenets of the, the clarity or the, uh, first water, um, principles, clarity, strength, and flow, which it says on your website, which is beautiful. And I had a couple of questions if you wouldn't mind helping me unpack them. Like, how do you encourage clarity which you like you describe as accessing your inner calm space, so a mindfulness, I suppose. How do you how do you help your clients access that, spe specifically at scale? So if you're dealing with a team, or you know a team, a business, uh, a corporation, or something like that, how do you help them access mindfulness at scale? Like not only at the individual level. Yeah, and so. Um, one of the one of the tools or one of the ways that we I work with clients is is uh, through the MP program actually is is using a mountain visualization and so uh, we work with individuals in terms of sort of uh, through a, a visualization process in terms of imagining sort of standing in front of a mountain that's 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 cloud covered and you then look down and sort of see a uh, a trailhead 
and it's sort of what's 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 motivating you to take that step. Mm. Um, and then as you're going up the mountain, you're encountering difficulty and you're encountering setbacks, and and uh, then you're also in- encountering beautiful vistas. And and then of course the the, the clouds um, part or the 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 the, the, the the air clears and then of course revealing a higher mountain. And so um, in terms of how we visualize that and we then work with that in terms of sort of what are your goals or outcomes and, and what, do you, and then the higher peak is sort of how we're setting our intentions. Um, what is our higher purpose in relation? Are we there to win a gold medal? Are we there to uh, do something that, that that's, that's, that's connected to a kind of a larger common purpose. And so we, mm. we work with that. Um, and then, and then on the next, and then I, how I work with clients in terms of them uh, sort of going through that process. And then it's, then it's a question of like, okay, let's put it aside. Okay. And now we, and then uh, let's stop evaluating or checking up on how we're progressing towards that. And then how we're kind of holding those, those sort of outcomes or future um, objectives um, as intentions that are in the present moment or in our in, inner experience. And then we kind of bring the mountain in, inward as it relates mm. to how we work with clients. And so that inner mountain is, is part of that clarity piece. And so when mm. we're going through difficulty, when we have setbacks, when we're, when we're uh, going through uncertainty um, and failure, quite frankly, that inner clarity kind of gives us that, that ability to kind of sort of see perspective and be able to move forward and be grounded in our, in our purpose. So it, it's basically a process of, of taking our purpose and, 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 and then sort of embodying it in, in, a, in a sort of a tangible and very accessible way um, for people to be able to move forward um, in, 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 in all they're doing. And so, um, I, you know, a lot of the work I do is around reimagine impossible, but impossible really is just another word for the unknown. And so when mm. we're looking at um, the storm, it could be the storm related to uh, things that are out of our control, like a global pandemic or politics, or it could be, you know, anything really as it relates to when we are embarking on on taking a, a big challenge or um, taking on a big goal, invariably um, the challenge is, and if it's a stretch goal, our challenge would be greater than our skill set to be able to achieve it. And so there's always mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're moving through that, that process, there's like, okay, two things can happen my skills get higher and then I get bored of the challenge and I look for more challenge or uh, the challenge is greater than my current skill set. And then I go and look for new skills to meet the challenge. And then that's Mm. sort of part of this whole growth mindset as you're going from where you are to where you want to go. And so Mm. through that process, of course, you're, 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 you're encountering unpredictability and and risk um, and, and, and complexity, you know? And so um, as you're moving through that, um, you're going to encounter failure, and so, and it's in those in that in that mindfulness practice, that clarity practice, it just allows you to have those real time, um, instant feedback mechanisms as you're sort of course correcting through through your through your journey kind of thing. And so mm. that, that that's that's a big part of of the, of the clarity piece, um, as it relates to sort of simple uh, clarity. Uh, in, in, a, in, a, in our practice, of course, when we're sitting doing an awareness of breath meditation and we find ourselves mind wandering. And so that moment of clarity is, is the moment that you realize that you're mind wandering and it's, it's, mm. not a, it's not a failure. 
that you're, oh, I, my mind wandered. I'm no longer focused on my breath, but it's, it's actually, it's that moment of, of, of catching yourself is the moment of mindfulness. And it's those moments of mindfulness is that kind of help you come back to, to a choice that that's consistent with your intentions. That's sort of leading you towards um, how you're, you're, you're kind of moving forward and, 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 and towards your mountain, if you will, mm. uh, as a metaphor. So we, we, I, we work a lot with that um, in terms of building that, that clarity um, and being able to sort of strengthen that focus muscle, that concentration muscle. Um, it's that sort of moment um, where you kind of, uh, you, you recognize or, or, or you, you catch yourself or, or, or notice uh, things in your environment that you're maybe caught up in story or things like that that are, that are sort of taking you away from, from how you're grounded in the present moment. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Remember, cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go patrickcooklife.com all right now back to the show mm, fantastic I love all of this this is so relevant and and one of the reasons I love this podcast is that I get to speak to people like you and we like we work in different in similar uh, modalities but just with a different perspective sometimes different language so to hear you explain mindfulness in sort of different language or vocabulary is really exciting for me because it is such a uh, a necessary and beautiful skill for everybody to learn um but i want to come back to what you were just talking about um for me there's uh, a sort of a balance between presence or mindfulness and purpose because presence is kind of like uh, an in the moment you know mindful you are just being Right, rather than purpose, which is typically attached to a doing or looking forward or, or you know, moving towards the the future, a goal, and so balancing those two together, I think, is really what this comes down to: being super present in the moment to what is going and allowing it to be, but also be clear on which direction you're moving and what the purpose is behind it. And so, w with with regards to the purpose, though, it's not always clear for me. Um, that the purpose is ethically motivated. So this is one of the things I wanted to ask you. On your website, it says, through mindful choices, we help individuals, teams, and businesses optimize their potential in the achievement of purposeful outcomes and in the adoption of sustainable ways of being. So there, inherently in that statement, there's that sort of balance in the ethics. But purposeful outcomes, like what does that mean to you? And as far as like when you're helping an organization or a corporation or a team determine what their purpose is, um, you know, for example, corporations, typically their purpose is to maximize shareholder profit. So that doesn't necessarily align with being a sustainable outcome or a sustainable way of being. So how does it, how do you harmonize those two? Like a vision of creating a sustainable way of being with purpose? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And, 
And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of examples of, of corporations uh, that have demonstrated that you can have this sort of dual bottom line. And so you can be looking at the corporate uh, profits um, at the same time as, as understanding that, uh, that your workforce um, is uh, part of your the equation that kind of gets you the, the, the profits. And so working mm. with your with your workforce in a way that that uh, recognizes them, values them. Um, it's not about fixing them. It's about finding what, about, about what everything is, is right uh, and, and valued in, 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 in the work that, that they're doing um, in terms of how, how they're working uh, towards um, some of those 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 outcomes. And so when I look at that sort of the way I look at it is sort of allowing. So that's in the in the being in, in the present moment. And so mm-hmm. this is not about suppressing um, emotions. It's not about running away from them either. It's it's really about sort of having that curiosity. It's about having um, moving towards. It's about um, sort of noticing. It's about being that investigator. So you're investigating that of those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're, you're then of course through that process uh, when you're able to sort of then add in sort of how you're cultivating self compassion, how you're cultivating uh, practicing positivity, how you're cultivating um, gratitude. Um, those mm-hmm. are some of the key components in terms of when we are listening to our sort of inner critic, um, because a lot of our per- performers are individuals that that. Um, have a high association with perfectionism. And so we have mm. this idea that, uh, that I am my own, I am my last result. I am my result. And so, um, of course, when you're a perfectionist, you have these high expectations of, 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 a, of standards that are un, unrealistic. And of course you can mm-hmm. never kind of get there, which then fuels this sort of, um, self self critic as, as well as, um, um, so, so you're, 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 the self-critic is 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 then questioning your ability, and it's you're, you're building stories, um, and then mm. you're simulating outcomes as it relates to how you're going to get through this. And so, it's sort of like you know, I, you know, I look at an old stereo system where you had stereo A and stereo B, and you've got this inner critic that might be on eight all the time, and you're listening to that inner critic all day long. Uh, that inner critic might be also saying things like, um, I'm not going to make it or I'm not good enough or who am I, who am I to say that I can do this kind of thing. And so it, you know, it's like that. And that volume B is sort of some of those other things. It's like heart centered, self-compassion, uh, practicing positivity, gratitude. And so it's not about sort of drowning it out, but it's, there's the allowing, allowing of the critic um, but then it's also just sort of balancing it out with a, with a different, with a different, uh, perspective on things. And so mm. we're, we're prone to, to sort of, to look at negativity. Um, so it's like, how are we sort of allowing? And so we're looking at a situation. It's like, okay, what else can be true in this situation, um, that allows us to kind of, um, look, look a little bit differently at, at a situation and then sort of cultivate some of these other practices that then could also, um, tie into things that are aligned with our values and, and our, our, our purpose, you know? So mm. um, I th- that's sort of how I would look at it in terms of how we're, we're kind of, you know, cultivating some of these other uh, values and also um, ways of being because um, yeah. they're often suppressed or maybe dismissed kind of thing. So that's kind of, yeah. Yes. And 
I so resonate with that as an artist myself and a performer. I perform music live. I, I totally resonate with that. And the the inner critic jumping up all the time and you get caught in those stories. It's the ego identification, really, from an Eastern perspective. It's you're caught in that ego mind, which is the survival instinct at its at its core. It's the ego is designed to keep us safe, and, you know, and it's very good at it because it can convince us of anything. Um, but, I, you know, really trusting that heart-centered, intuitive space where your deep creativity and your performance comes from, like when you're in the flow of a performance, you're not in your head, you're not in your ego. You're in that deep core knowingness, being state of complete presence, flow state, uh, which is another thing I want to talk to you about because that's something I'm really passionate about. Um, But just while we're on the topic of, you know, I'm really curious how, you know, working with individuals differs from working with groups or teams or corporations even more specifically, because to me, success, conventional success at a high level, be it in sports or business, requires us to forget or forego sort of a kind of empathy or, you know, it's like the win at all costs mindset, right? And so we're disregarding the well-being of the opponent, be it or, you know, the the competition in business or the opponent in, in sports. Uh, and in fact, at the top of the power structures across the world, we see an asymmetrical number of psychopaths, which is really just defined as, you know, the ability to forego empathy or remorse and be egotistical in your desires. And so, Do you think that the mindset needed to excel and win at the Olympic Games, for example, is commensurate with the greater good of humanity? Like, does that make sense? Is that clear? You know, because I'm really curious if those are are, are in alignment, because if you're if you're looking to win at all costs for yourself, being in business or the, the Olympic Games, is that a good model for how to be? A good human being, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, and and I, and I, it's funny that this same conversation came up in a, in a in one of my uh, groups that I work with uh, through the MP program, and it was like, okay, well, uh, the the sort of asshole a- athlete and the really nice athlete, you know, if you want to take two sort of sort of two mm. types of uh, in, of athletes, and they, they both win Olympic gold medal. Um, so there are two ways. You, to get to that Olympic gold medal, you, you can do it in, 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 in um, so th- they both will generate results. Um, in one case, uh, there might be collateral damage in terms of the winning at all costs might have mm. um, uh, costs as it relates to burnout um, and identification with, with result or identification as yourself as an athlete. Whereas if you're doing it, um, holding your, your objectives and your, Way forward, uh, more mindfully and in the present moment, um, you're you're you, you'll still get the results, but there may be less uh, sort of um, ability to to um, have side effects on, on that aspect of things. And so, mm. when I look at uh, the work that I do with with teams, there are in terms of generating that that self awareness around working with teams, uh, we we work with um, uh, obviously a, an awareness tools around how the team is communicating, how the team is sort of evaluating itself on, on team trust. Uh, and also, I guess most importantly is, is do they have a collective vision for, for what they're, what they're looking out to do? Because when you get to the Olympic games, um, you know, it's, it's so easy that it, for individuals to show up and, and want to be the massage therapist plus plus, mm. for example, or be the, the person in a role. And all of a sudden they, they, they want to, everyone wants to kind of, they all of a sudden they 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 need to be recentered as a race to what their collective um, benefit is um, as how they're working together as a team, and so you know I've seen this uh, you know in Vancouver when we were at our home games, um, you know 
tapping into something that was bigger than yourself, uh, being at the Olympic Games and being at your at home Olympic Games, um, was was a really powerful thing. And I think Canada itself um, is has does a really fantastic job at at, at sort of tapping into the, sort of the team spirit and 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 being able to kind of look beyond their their specific outcome that they're trying to achieve on the podium and tap into sort of getting support from a, from a larger network and so um, and a larger team um, and and yeah. of course uh, that's and then finding meaning through community finding meaning through being part of a team finding meaning through giving back finding meaning through giving back to f- the future next generations of, of an up and coming athletes and things like that and so um, a, a lot of these things are are, are really uh, important as it relates to how how uh, how you might kind of navigate some of these sort of performance outcomes that you're looking to do. But of course, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's it, it's when it's really hard to do is that when you have that performance outcome, it's sort of how can you have that performance outcome and then just be present to process. So any good coach will tell you that you need to be present to process, and and present to process means uh, staying in, in the your present moment experience. And so when I look at sort of a, a mindful performer. Um, you know, it's not about a single event or a future outcome. You know, it's about holding um, a present moment experience um, in your most authentic self, uh, mm. in flow, uh, by choice, and navigating all of the ups and downs with grace and grit. You know, and so mm. it, it's it's really uh, how you're navigating all of that is really important in terms of how you're going to navigate through 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 uh through disruption through uncertainty through chaos through the through the mm. storm and um and it what's really interesting is that uh, when it comes to purpose because when you're going through difficulty you can have these moments where the the you can lose sight of things and your purpose um or your why is is what kind of keeps you going but but stated more powerfully the the storm has holds the promise for the very transformation that we're seeking by having taken mm-hmm. on the big challenge in the first place. Totally. Okay? And so you're you're leaping into the unknown. You don't know if mm. you're gonna if you're gonna achieve the outcome. Okay. And it's it's leaping into that unknown, and it's through that process of of being of navigating and through all of that unknown. That's when um, you have the, the transformation, and so. Um, and transformation and also, you know, sort of reconnection with your sense, sense of purpose. Because so when, you, mm. when you go into the storm, how you enter the storm and how you exit the storm, um, it's, that's what the storm is all about. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a great model for life. The, the storm is all about the transformation. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's coming up for me right now is, you know, I'm just imagining myself as an Olympic athlete and connecting into something that's higher than myself and my sense of purpose. And I can't help but thinking that how my sense of purpose or my worthiness would be tied to my identity. So if I'm a high performing athlete and, you know, my sense of purpose would be help the team and do be the best version of myself, excel at the, the greatest level I'm capable of on all, all levels then you know after the olympic games or after my career is over how does that identity sort of dissolve and how does that affect me on a personal level like are we connecting these athletes to 
a sense of purpose that transcends their performance at one specific Olympic Games? Because how many, and I'm sure you can answer this question, how many athletes fall into some state of depression or unworthiness after their career is over? Like that seems like a grave danger. So how, how do we how do we connect to something bigger than ourselves that transcends their performance at one specific feat? Yeah, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because it is it's such a it's, it's such a big important topic as it relates to mm. the mental health of, of our athletes and, and identification um, with their themselves as Olympian identification with themselves as an, an athlete from a very specific mm. from a specific sport and then of course identification with themselves as as their result and so maybe they had a great result at the Olympic Games maybe they had a, a poor result and so there's that identification with that and then of course. Uh, typically, even similar to my own personal example, um, not as an Olympian, but but certainly as it relates to, you know, putting everything on the line, um, putting everything, your whole life on hold and just focusing on this one thing. And then and then having to then navigate the transition uh, into a, another part of your life. And of course, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, and, and it does lead to some of some men- mental health um, problems for, for, for athletes. And so mm. this is where, in terms of how we, you know, how I, how I would work with, with athletes is sort of like, okay, well, this is part of your commitment to your sport. And it's, and it's being able to, to tap into some of these larger purposes as to, okay, am, am I, am I just going there to win an Olympic medal or is there something that I, that I can tap into that's, that's big, bigger than, bigger than that. And then that does does two things. And, and what typically is that? Well, it, it's, what, what is the typical purpose that is bigger than yourself? Um, it's some of the things I mentioned earlier. So you might want to give back to your community, whatever your right. community might might be for you. So it could be your family, your friends. It could be some other community that you that you associate with. It could be about giving back to the next next generation or to a future mm-hmm. generation. Um, it could be. Um, uh, being part of, uh, of something larger themselves as part of being part of a t- Team Canada or or mm. doing it for the, the for your country. Um, so these are all things that 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 typically people will, you know, athletes can can so associate with that that helps um, sort of sort of actually diminish the pressure on their shoulders. That and it also kind of brings in the common humanity and uh, of what what they're doing that that they're not there alone and that you know so often what we find is that an athlete even though the two athletes may not know each other they might be from two parts of the country they might be in two completely different sports but then when you they start talking they're like oh well this is i'm this is unique to me and this is unique to to, to to the other person but then they start talking and they realize that that it's actually very common in terms of the some of the, str- the struggles that they're that they're dealing with and so it's it's those those moments when when you're part of a, a collective a movement a, a collective uh, movement and of course it's a global movement as, as part of the Olympics and but and it's very strong within national federations and within sports but uh, individual sports but all of that helps you sort of you know um, you know leave the games with with a sense of pride and be able to take mm. regardless of your result and be able to take that pride into the next sort of transition of, of your career and so all of these mm. transitions are all different versions of that storm I keep coming back to, you know, it's like, and so it's how you're navigating through all that. And so the, the, the transition itself becomes uh, part of how you transform um, into the next stage of your career. And, and I'm not saying it's easy. Um, it, it's not, it, and it takes a lot of work. And, um, and I think mindfulness actually has, is a, is a perfect, is a great tool for, to be able to kind of, kind of create that, create that awareness 
uh, of the moment and, and allowing all of that flood of emotions, you know, allowing uh, all of those things and then, and then practicing uh, um, our, uh, you know, how our, we're more than our reactions, we're more than our thoughts, we're more than those things and sort of being able to kind of, kind of be curious about them and then being able to kind of soften around them and then being able to kind of then move forward uh, in, in ways that, that align with sort of a, a new, a new set of, uh, intentionality, you know, kind of thing. But mm. yeah, so it's, 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 it's an important process. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's quite pronounced for through that Olympic cycle. Um, and, um, but it's, but it's, it's, it's also a part of, you know, even everyday life or even, you know, navigating a, a pandemic or, or some other mm. large sort of life, life change. And, you know, so all, all of this is, is uh, quite relevant to to all of us, mm. and I think we can all feel it right now. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that's a good way to just sort of zoom out for a second. So one of the reasons I started this podcast was just like, let's question everything. You know, let's just be completely clear, and let's have honest, vulnerable conversations about it for the intention of finding higher truth or deepening understanding. And so through my journey, I've just been like, okay, nothing's off the table. Let's just question everything. And so sports and the arts and music, all these things are things that have come to my attention. It's like, okay, why, why are we practicing these, these, these sports or these, or, or pursuing the arts or pursuing high performance in the first place? There's obvious benefits. Yes, but there's also obvious detriments, you know? And so from a sort of a macro level on a species level, what are the benefits of pursuing high performance sports and what are the detriments of it? Because, you know, obviously, um, one that comes up for me is that we are, uh, nurturing this win at all costs mindset, right? Which inherently causes division and conflict and competition, which for me is, is, is at the root of a lot of the problems we're seeing in the world right now. I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but under the, um, system that we live in capitalism, you know, we're incentivized to compete, we're incentivized to outcompete other people, you know, at, be at benefit for ourselves. And so the one of the questions or one of the mantras I've been using is like, okay, how can we, how can we define success in a way that it is best for me, but it's also best for the whole at the same time. And I think sports specifically, and even within the competition, say in the music business or, you know, some of the entertainment business, you are incentivized to be better than the next person to, to win at all costs and, you know, have no empathy or remorse if they lose. And I think that model is not sustainable for us as a human, as, as a species. So I think, you know, what I'm asking is like from a more macro level, what are the, the base benefits of pursuing a high performance career? And what are some of the detriments or the pitfalls that we could fall into? Yeah, I, this is a, a, an amazing uh, topic and conversation as it relates to around around that topic. And so when we we look at the, at the high performer, and so the high performer associates with uh, hyper vigilance. I have to be everything. Mm. They associate with being a perf perfectionist. I have to be uh, good at everything. Uh, and they mm. also associate with with outcome. And so they, I am my result. And so. Mm -hmm. uh, so th and this is essentially at the heart of the work that I'm doing is like, so how can you, what, what the mindful performer is not the, the performer who's winning at all costs. Mm. Um, does that mean that you're taking your foot off the gas pedal? Does that mean you're lowering your standards? Does that mean you're, you're, you're demonstrating less, um, or losing competitive edge and, and 
yeah, we're losing competitive edge exactly. And so yeah. I think this kind of goes back to, to my my earlier in a second where you, you can still get the result um, with less collateral damage. Uh, mm. You can you can you can burn clean fuel as opposed to um, <laughs> fossil fuels, for example. You, the, both 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 will get you there. Um, mm. One will 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 get you there in, in a way that 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 allows you to kind of. Um, live in the in the present moment and so this is where you're sort of this is the the essentially it, it's it's not about the it's not the it's about the journey and not the outcome and so right. this allows you to then live the journey regardless of what the outcome is you still you still live the journey in a way where your um standards of excellence um your commitment and even some of the the sort of grit and determination and courage and commitment. So some of the more the, the yang side of, 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 of our, of our being, and then balancing it off with, with, with some of the, the yin, the heart, heart centered aspects of things um, mm. um, around self-compassion, especially. And so doing that in a way, and this is essentially the, 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 the you know, a lot of the work that I do is, is really revolves around this idea of, of this, this athlete that, that is able to kind of, operate in, in, in this sort of still quiet place or this moment of clarity um, where there's all these things going on on around him or, or, or her as it relates to how they're navigating all that and then and then doing it in, in a way where where they're they're able to hold their these outcomes that they've established but uh, do it in a way that that's part of this sort of inner land they're embodying the, the experience mm. in the present moment and so um and I think there are a lot of a lot of sports teams, um, Golden State Warriors and and the Bulls are, are are famous for having brought in mindfulness practices um, for for people to let go of of self, let go of expectations, let go of mm. outcome, um, and then be able to just do what you you do best to sort of mm. you know to, to to kind of to to, to be and and to and to realize your your full full expression of yourself in, in the present moment. And so, and, and these are all the, the, the moments where, you know, this, we get into topics of, of flow, but these are the moments that are, that, that where the performer is, is at their authentic best, you know, and, mm. and it's also these moments where there, there's, there's space between the sort of the, you know, the stimulus and, and response and, and creating that space and the time slowing down. Um, you have these moments of clarity, uh, you know, and, uh, and there's moments of, of peace as well. And so this is kind of where you, you kind of get into, into, into flow states. Um, and, you know, and it's, and it's flow states are not the quiet, peaceful Sunday morning, uh, flow states. I mean, th those are pleasant as well. Those are, those are very pleasant, but it's actually, it's when you're in the middle of the, of the, of the storm and the complexity and the unpredictability and the risk. Um, that's that's when you actually experience those those flow states that are have been mm. documented uh, through the work of of Miali. So it, it, as it relates to like, in some ways, it's when I, I look at sport, and I, I I look at even Phil Knight's uh, Shoe Dog, his book that I, I'm I'm going through right now, and it's like it's like when he he wanted to work in an environment where that. 10 seconds to the, to the buzzer moment and, and living that moment where everything is on the line and you're playing and you're having fun. 
Um, yes, there might be an outcome on the line, but there is that moment of, 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 of where, 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 you're, where you're expressing your full self and you're letting go of, your, of yourself. And so I, I call it unselfing yourself. And so how you're, how you're doing that in a way, in a way um, you know, this is where sport, all the good sides of sport can, can kind of create those types of experiences for, for athletes and for, for coaches and and, and I, I think there's there's a shadow side to everything. There's a shadow side to our strengths. There's a shadow side to um, sport. There's a shadow side to politics and, and corporate. Um, uh, there's a sh- you know even a shadow to, to flow. And so you have these flow junkies that that kind of are out mm. there looking for flow and creating these external ex- conditions for themselves. And 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 so. I, I think, you know, it's it sort of, it, I think that's part of the awareness piece. I think that's part of the, the choice piece. And so when I talk about mindfulness, when it matters most, it's at the end of the day, it's, up, it's, it's your choice. It's, it's your, it's your, it's, it's you decide what matters most. And it, is it when you're getting up on stage to do a big presentation or lining up on the Olympic final, or is it when you're having a conversation with a call with a teammate or a spouse or something like that? And so these are the mm-hmm. moments that that you get to choose, and, it, and it's all part of that awareness piece. And so it's that allowing piece, it's that clarity piece, it's that it's that it's that being aware of when you're you've been on Instagram for 45 minutes and don't realize it, and you you catch yourself. In that moment, that's the mindful moment where you're like, okay, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've, I followed this notification and those 45 minutes ago, and now I gotta, I gotta choose differently to be with my mm. son or daughter who's right next to you, kind of thing. And so, all of that is is part of 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 of, and, I, and I, we've kind of gone a little bit off topic here as it relates to your original topic around around sport. But I think these are some of the the, the things that that sport can bring, and of course. When you look at sport, even at the Olympic level, and as a, as an inspiration for for young people, as an inspiration for for a country, um, um, you know, I, I think you know whenever your Canada does well on the on the world scene, whether it's in um, in uh, commercial endeavors or whether it's in uh, political endeavors or whether it's in sport, I mean, you know, it's a, there's a sense of pride around how you know. Canada did at, at an event, or even in, or, or culturally, of course, as well, in terms of uh, you know if we have a, a cultural band, we're we're obviously proud when we, we when we see mm. our our, our stardust and our, our our artists you know doing well on the international stage, and and uh, so I think sport is part of that, and and it's not it's not saying that it doesn't have its sort of shadows that, that I keep talking mm. about or, or dark side and and even. The, the politics uh, at the International Olympics and things like that. There's there's all kinds of stuff, but I, I think overwhelming. Uh, there's there's an opportunity there for for for, for sport for, for good um, and you know and level level playing field um, as it relates to doing good even for you know for refugee programs and for for sport where sport is is sort of a, a an entryway for for play and for conversations and for for growth. Um, and transformation mm. of individuals, and so when we talk about reimagine impossible, it's what, whether it's you're trying to go for an Olympic medal, but it's also an underprivileged um, or less privileged kid who's, who wants, who's looking for something um, to 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 work and believe beyond what their current potential is, and 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 seeing the potential in themselves um, that they may not be able to see for, for themselves, and, and I think and, and I think sport kind of has a, as a gateway or an, an opening for, for that that level and mm. that can be at the recreational level um in terms of building building a character or, or set of values um 
And um, but then, of course, as you move up in, into the higher ranks, uh, I think it's just sort of um, diff- different levels of, of the same thing. So I, I think it's, it's mm. an important uh, way to to help us express ourselves. And I, th- I think sport and um, culture, I think, are, are 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 very similar in that way. You know, in terms of expressing mm. yourself um, through through an through an art form or through uh, a body. I mean, a, a physical expression of, of, of self, you know, so I think it's, um, mm. it's, a, it's, it's an important thing. Yeah, for sure. So much goodness in that answer so much. I'd love to <laughs> chat further about, um, but I want to come back to one of the things you talked about and, and I'm really passionate about collective states, like collective flow states, for example, and which are, um, possible through sport and also through music and other um, modalities. But in, in like, again, and I'm really passionate about moving humanity forward, evolving humanity in a way that is moving towards sustainability and cooperation. And I think one of the things that sports does, and this is also true of music, is that it encourages us to be, like you said, in our best self, to be sharing our uh, unique gifts in a powerful way in the present moment. And I think that's really what the purpose of all of us, you know, our, our, our um, modus operandi for being is to be our best version self, whatever that means for us on a unique individual level. And then, you know, one, and that also means cultivating mindfulness and healing trauma and being, you know, cultivating self-awareness, all the things we're talking about. That's part of my um, responsibility. But it also means once you've done that sort of inner work, you can show up more powerfully as an individual, be more expressed, and then be more um, coherent in a collective state, whether it being performing with a sports team, performing with an orchestra, or performing at the, you know, the corporate board of directors, whatever it might be. And, but I think that's really, really powerful. And, and it's, it's, the, it's the key to solving a lot of the world's problems, I think, is once we can figure out how we can work together on a larger scale in a collective flow state where we're all working towards the same purpose, the same goal, you know, in a sustainable way. I think that's that's beautiful the way you described it. Um, I want to be cognizant of your time. Derek, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your wisdom. I've got a couple more questions. This is one of my favorites, and we sort of talked about it. Uh, we've talked about success uh, and what that means for a lot of different people, but I'm really interested in what is your definition of success and has it changed over time? Okay, that's a that's a great question. And I, <laughs> I, I when I think of the of success, um, and and um, I, I think when I, I look at my own own career, um, my definition of success would have been uh, heavily tied to my idea of of what job I had or what title I had or what I was doing. Um, in my, in my career at the Olympic committee, I was, uh, I, I was actually not part of, um, I did not have any kind of vertical growth. I I was a director for, for almost close to 14 years. And so for me, when I looked at success in that type of sort of flat environment and from a, from a title, from a strict title perspective, where I was sort of tapping into my sense of, purpose. Um, and I defined my sense of purpose when I was at the Olympic Committee um, very simply as sort of um, helping people realize their best selves through Olympic sport. Okay. Mm, so awesome. Um, as long as I was doing that, then, then uh, as long as I was continuing to sort of push the envelope and how we were doing that, working mm. with athletes and coaches and teams, 
to me, that that was success. And so being able to to do that, especially on at scale for a team of, you know, three, two, three, four hundred athletes at the mm. Olympic Games um, is is not a not an easy thing to do. And each individual team has its own culture and their own s- scale, uh, their own uh, sense also their own resources so some have are high resource and some are, are low resource teams and so uh, being able to uh, to to do that uh, required us to kind of um, f- continually expand how how we were we were working with our teams and and so for me that was a, a sense of, of success uh, now I'm looking at uh, success you know I'm starting a business in the in the middle of a pandemic which has its own uh, sense of its own uh, element of, of, of risk and unpredictability and unknown. And, and, and I'm, I'm throwing myself in the middle of this and I'm saying, okay, well, my own, you know, I'm, I don't know what's what is, what my business is going to look like in three months or six months or nine or 12 months, you know, as you know, especially this type of work that I do is actually better done face to face. And so here I am mm. kind of having to do it uh, virtually. And so the, the very unknown of that um, leads to a sense of transformation that that, that I'll that I'll come out with at the, at the other end. So when I look at sort, mm. of, sort of targets in terms of performance targets for me, um, I, I sort of put those to the side, and it's like okay, my my sense of of community, the sense of uh, what nurtures me in the work that I do, in terms of the people that I'm connecting with. Uh, in terms of the, the the people that I, I I help, in terms of them working through my courses and helping them become more of a, a mindful performer, uh, mm. these these are all elements that kind of kind of really kind of ground me in my, in my sense of you know of what I'm doing in, in 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 this part of my career, and so mm. um, and if I have to go through some sort of you know if if an organization and I think a lot of organizations you know might be looking at some lean years from a financial perspective or some difficulty on that aspect of things, mm. um, how you navigate all of that is sort of how you will come out of that a little bit, actually come out of the, come out of it stronger. So, um, mm. th- those are all sort of definitions of success. It's actually not, um, that the transformation itself is, is what defines this, this success. Mm. Um, and then that even goes Love back it. to our d- discussion earlier around dual bottom lines. And so, right. um, the, the success of an organization is defined by how your your people are transformed through the work that you're doing as a corporation or as a team, mm. as a business kind of thing. And so, yes. um, yeah, so that's how that's, I would put that. It's, it's more of a, what I hear you saying is it's more of a moment to moment feeling rather than a specific outcome. Right. And that's in that, in that sense, you can feel success all the time, a moment to moment feeling. And that's, that's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your shirt. <laughs> we spoke about it before we started recording. Um, but for those of you listening and, and not watching the video, Derek is wearing an orange shirt that says, what does it say? Surf? <laughs> Surf in the Olympics Sur- in 2016. Awesome. Okay, let's hear about this. <laughs> Well, for most of you who follow the Olympic sport, you know that surfing uh, is not in the Olympics until 2020, and so or 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. Uh, I was down in the site visit prior to the 2016 Olympics, and um, I think uh, I picked up this T-shirt at a surf shop in in Rio, and uh, they were just you know, even though the the surfing was not part of the Olympics in 2016, they were it, it was there um, in spirit for sure, um, and uh, it was as expressed also through this t-shirt. It's, it's also orange shirt day. 
um, September 30th um, in recognition of uh, Indigenous uh, peoples um, around the world and in Canada and uh, even as it relates to uh, some of the racial injustices um, that have been um, uh, perpetrated against Indigenous populations in, in Canada and recognition of that and uh, some of the, the, the so that, that today is Orange Shirt Day. So I'm, I'm able to talk about Olympics and, and uh, also s support an important cause or support an, an important awareness around uh, our own collective history. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I have one more question before we let you go. And it is this, if you were to take all of your experiences, all the knowledge, the wisdom gained, distill them down into one short message, what would it be? Um, I, I, absolutely. It, it's, it's around um, cultivating that awareness in the present moment. And, and that might, and, 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 and there's actually real ways you, you can, you can do that uh, in terms of being able to kind of get out of sort of your con subconscious and into and more of a conscious and, and, and mm -hmm. in doing that, you then are able to make choices that you would not maybe have been otherwise uh, aware of. And so it's that moment to moment awareness. Um, and of course, uh, it's not a, uh, something conceptual. It's something that it has to be, it's preconceptual. So you really have to embody the practice and, and to really kind of understand what that means. And, and that just allows you to kind of live in the moment. Um, I know that uh, sounds um, a little bit um, sort of canned or whatever, but it, it really is an embodied practice in terms of how you're living um, mm. and then moment to moment in terms of how you're, you're then moving forward in terms of how you're getting to that moment of transformation. And then mm. when you're doing it, uh, navigating challenge, and this is challenge that's maybe externally imposed like a pandemic or internally imposed as it relates to taking on big objectives, uh, that's when the real transformation really can help a lot. So that's kind of how I'd sum it up. Ooh, beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Derek Covington, I really appreciate your time today. Tell people where they can find you if they want to reach out to First Water and, and about your coaching. Sure. Firstwaterperformance.com. Um, and uh, you'll, see, you'll find everything there uh, as it relates to the work that we do uh, with coaching one-on-one, -on -one, working with teams and workplaces, um, and also some of the courses that we have. I have a masterclass that's starting October 20th. It's called the uh, Mindful Performance Enhancement Awareness and Knowledge. MPEAK, it's the UCSD program, basically, that I'd be offering uh, October 20th. Check out the website uh, and uh, hope to see you there. We have some great experiences there um, in terms of uh, non-traditional mindful meditation, uh, experiential learning and exploring pain and discomfort through uh, ice ice baths and uh, restricted breathing, uh, as well as dexterity exercises under pressure, um, and uh, and uh, we have a lot of fun with it. So um, it's it's kind of very accessible way to to get into mindfulness, um, and also um, how you might be applying them to what's what's important to you in your 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 performance mm -hmm. moments, whether they're small or big. You know so. Uh, yeah, check it out. Fantastic. Derek, thank you so much for your time today. And we'll talk to you real soon, man. Thank you, Patrick. Great talking to you today. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.